welcome to the first official episode of Making Friends with Old Friends. I hope you are all well and looking forward to meeting a couple of new friends today. Grab a coffee, tea, or beverage of your choice and get comfy for a few minutes while we settle in on some gems I found. The two people I've chosen to talk about today are not well known. When I mention their names, Shipra and Pula, you will probably have no idea who I'm talking about. But let me assure you, they are pivotal to the larger story of redemption. You may think it's odd that I would begin my podcast, use the very first episode to talk about two virtually unknown women of the Old Testament. Well, all I can tell you is that these two women are precisely why I am in love with these stories. These are the kind of moments that often get overlooked when we have quickly read a story or an encounter. They are stories within the larger story. This is one of the most impacting stories for me because it shows me how God takes virtually unknown people in roles that are often overlooked and places them in moments of significance and then gives them the clarity and the strength they need to do the crazy, wild, impossible thing like stare down a pharaoh. You will say you know the larger story of Exodus well, and perhaps you do, but there is this pivot chapter, Exodus 1, where literally everything changes for the children of Israel. Pivot is such a huge word these days. Everyone is pivoting. We all must figure out where we fit into new definitions and new territories, new work, new lives. Let me read you the chapter where we find these two most interesting women. Also, as a side note, most of the time I will be reading from an easy to read translation or the complete Jewish Bible translation. The, that's seriously the name of one of the translations in my version app is easy to read version. <laughs> that's precisely why I'm choosing to use it to help make things more understandable in wording that is clear. Also, let me just quickly set the stage for anyone who is not familiar with some of the story leading up to this moment. God has chosen to bless an entire people group through their ancestor, Abraham. The line of Abraham and his son Isaac and then his son Jacob is a fascinating story of God's provision, their humanity, liars, cheaters, prayers, promise, all in the name of God honoring his promises through frail humans. The last guy I mentioned there, Jacob, had 12 sons and they would end up turning into the 12 tribes of Israel. At the point of the story where we're stepping in, one of those brothers, Joseph, has risen to a position of great power and has provided a place of bounty for his father, brothers, and their families in Egypt. As you will hear when I read this pivot chapter, those 12 brothers turn into a massive clan of people, so large that the current pharaoh is unnerved and insecure at their number. In his need for population control, he asks our two main characters to help him out. I'll just read a little bit here. Exodus 1. When Jacob went to Egypt, his sons and their families went with him. Here are the names of those sons. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Another son, Joseph, was already in Egypt, 
So Jacob's whole family was with him in Egypt, 70 descendants in all. Later, Joseph, his brothers, and all the people of that generation died. But the Israelites had many children, and their number grew until the country of Egypt was filled with them. Then a new king began to rule Egypt. He did not know Joseph. This king said to his people, Look at the Israelites. There are too many of them, and they are stronger than we are. We must make plans to stop them from growing stronger. If there is a war, they might join our enemies, defeat us, and escape from the land. The Egyptians decided to make life hard for the Israelites, so they put slave masters over the people. Those masters forced the Israelites to build the cities of Python and Ramesses for the king. The king used these cities to store grain and other things. The Egyptians forced the Israelites to work harder and harder, but the harder they worked, the more they grew and spread, and the more the Egyptians became afraid of them. So the Egyptians made them work even harder. They made life hard for the Israelites. They forced the Israelites to work hard at making bricks and mortar and to work hard in the fields. The Egyptians showed no mercy in all the hard work they made the Israelites do. There were two nurses who helped the Israelite women give birth. They're named, they were named Shipra and Pua. The king of Egypt said to the nurses, You will continue to help the Hebrew women give birth to their children. If a ch girl child is born, let the baby live. But if the baby is a boy, you must kill him. But the nurses trusted God, so they did not obey the king's command. They let all the baby boys live. The king of Egypt called for the nurses and asked them, Why did you do this? Why did you let the baby boys live? The nurses said to the king, The Hebrew women are so much stronger than the Egyptian women. They give birth to their babies before we can even go to them. The nurses trusted God, so he was good to them and allowed them to have their own families. The Hebrews continued to have more children and they became very strong. Pharaoh gave this command to his own people. If the Hebrew women give birth to a baby girl, let it live. But if they have a baby boy, you must throw it into the Nile River. I know, right? How have you just skipped on by this story with just a casual glance? Well, the reason I have skipped some of these stories is because the fireworks happen all around the plagues and the big clouds of God's presence, big miracles and pillars of fire. I've often missed the smaller, quieter, subtler moments in my rush to get to the bigger, more familiar. This story is so interesting. There is this line that is repeated twice. The midwives trusted God. The nurses trusted God. Simple lines, simple words, harder to actually live out. My question to you is this. How is it possible that these midwives were trusting God? This is before the plagues. This is before Moses is even born. This is before the Red Sea. So where did this trust come from? I mean, these women, their entire lives would have been in captivity to Egypt. And in fact, over 400 years had passed where the family just kept growing and growing. But we don't hear much about the movement or voice of God during that time. And yet, still they trusted. How does that work exactly? So I'm going to guess here that the faith or trust that it talks about was handed down by their previous generations. The promises spoken over Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
passed along from the elders to the young men and women around watering holes and sand pits maybe, in the evenings around cooking pots when their bodies ached with the pain of how hard their taskmasters were pushing them. The words used are they trusted God twice. When I read this chapter, I think, what if they had not trusted God? What if they had given in to their fear and did what Pharaoh commanded them to do, which was kill babies? If those two women had not followed their strong sense of trust in a God they would have barely known, we would not have had Moses, and the rest of the story would not have happened in the way it played out. Where do I see myself here? Well, I want to see myself as one of those midwives who trust an invisible God so implicitly that I am willing to defy the Pharaoh as I follow my beliefs. And I want to say that when God is quiet, I'm still trusting as solidly as any other time. I am not sure I can say that with all confidence, though. To be honest, when it feels like God is quiet and I'm feeling isolated and not feeling very necessary, this story reminds me that the pivotal moments may be at any time and anywhere. If the little people like me and those two midwives don't do what we're supposed to do at the time we're supposed to do it, the bigger picture can't happen. What I mean is, when I think of the messy jobs those two had and the instructions they had from Pharaoh, it would have been so easy to just be weary and give up and give in, weary and well-doing, as it were. But they didn't. They just kept right on doing their messy jobs, tired or not. And they did their jobs fearing the Lord. They could have died. Pharaoh could have ended their lives on the spot if he'd figured out that they had been defying him. And yet still, they did their jobs. I have a job right now that is not very spectacular. It is repetitive and a little bit mundane. I am weary of isolation and not being able to be a part of things like church and coffees with friends and singing in a choir. When I read this story, I feel like I probably would have folded under the pressure and the weariness of a job nobody really cared about. An essential part of the pivot of this chapter is the fact that God saw and knew. He was pleased with what they did, that they were supposed to do, when they were supposed to do it. He could trust them to just keep on birthing babies. He could trust them to keep trusting him. He was so pleased that he blessed them and made them heads of their own households. In these pivotal days, it is vital that we keep on doing what we're supposed to be doing and that we keep trusting him. If you are weary, if you are weighed down with redundant tasks and every day looking for God to break through, if you're having a hard time holding on, take heart, my friend. These days are significant and your work is important. All of us little people need you to do what you are supposed to do so the bigger picture can unfold. Trust that he hears you. Trust that he sees you. Trust that he's pleased with your faithfulness even during the impossible moments. I'm just going to close in prayer. Father, you see us all. You see our hearts and you see our emotions and our minds and our strengths and our weaknesses. 
Father, we come to you and we lay them all before you. And God, I just pray that you would strengthen us in those moments where we need to keep trusting, when it would be so easy to give up, but help us to keep holding on and keep doing the job we're supposed to do, even when it feels like we haven't heard from you in a while, or we can't really see you, we just hear the stories, but we know in our hearts that you are real and true and that you are strong and mighty. And Father, I pray that as the words go out, that you would make a stand in people's lives and that you would uphold them and that you would refresh them and give them, pour out your spirit upon their hurts and upon their weariness. And Lord, help us to not be weary in doing well, even if we're isolated and by ourselves and and it feels like we're so insignificant. But God, you use these two women to keep babies being born. The babies you wanted born were born. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for faithfulness. And I pray that you would just instill that in us. Give us the hope so that when we are weary, we know exactly that we can trust God and that you will be pleased with us. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, my friends. I hope that you are encouraged and that you uh, keep holding on and keep trusting. Thanks so much for tuning in. Subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. Invite whoever you want to come and listen. I hope you have a great day. God bless you.